The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. He says, then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. David Brooks, who is a columnist for the New York Times, recently uh, went on the Charlie Rose show. And he was doing this to to promote a new book that deals with character and sin. And after the show, he received an email from an editor in New York who wrote this. I loved the way you were talking about your book, but I didn't like the way you used the word sin. It's a downer. Use the word insensitive instead. Sadly, this is the world that we live in. We have gone from sinners in the hand of an angry God, that famous sermon by Jonathan Edwards, to your best life now. And sin and judgment are now dirty words. It wasn't too long ago that we joyfully sang, many will meet their doom, and heard sermons like, what is hell like? There was once a time when people were eager to hear about the wrath of God. And the pendulum has now swung to the other side. The topic of judgment once would draw a large crowd, but nowadays, people are more likely to accuse you of intolerance or, or being mean for simply just bringing the subject up. Even in some churches, the words judgment and hell are avoided, and they have been replaced with maxims on life, popular psychology, and positive thinking. Well, some may be surprised to learn that Jesus, Paul, and other inspired writers of Scripture do not dance around this subject. They offer clear warnings for when people choose to reject the ways of God. For instance, Paul begins 2 Thessalonians by discussing judgment. So if you have your Bible open, you can look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10, and listen to how he begins the letter. He writes, we are always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to grant relief 
to those who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. And so we see here that Paul does not hold back. He speaks of righteous judgment, punishment, and destruction. He pre- presents this vivid picture of Jesus being revealed along with angels in flaming fire and they're inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God. Paul does not sugarcoat his message. And he wants his readers to know that this is reality. To deny God's judgment is to have an irrational outlook on life. It's coming. And everyone needs to know this and to prepare for it. No one really wants to talk about the destruction or punishment of a vast amount of people. It's nothing to be giddy about or or cheerful about. But when Paul writes about judgment in 2 Thessalonians 1, he does it to encourage his readers. Why? Why would the judgment of God encourage the Christians in, in Thessalonica? Well, it's because these Christians were being persecuted. We read that in verse 4. And he goes on to say in verses 6 and 7 that that judgment would bring some relief to them. It would remove the evil that was a source of pain and affliction from their life. And so judgment would be welcome uh, because it would mean the righting of all wrongs. Now, our current culture may not like the idea of God's judgment, but we often celebrate other forms of judgment. The capture of Osama bin Laden was a monumental event in our nation. People publicly cheered this moment of justice because they knew that this man was responsible for the loss of many American lives. Our culture is also quick to protest when a judgment is unfair. We witnessed this earlier this year when Brock Turner, a Stanford student, was convicted of sexual assault but only given six months in prison. And people were outraged, and rightly so, because justice was not served. People should be more grateful about God's judgment because It is unlike human judgment. It is, as Paul puts it in 2 Thessalonians 1.5, righteous judgment. In other words, it is just judgment. Uh, God's judgment is completely fair. He does not make mistakes. He does not get it wrong. He, He puts things as they should be. So why do people not want to talk about this judgment? Perhaps it's because this judgment has implications for all of us. We are either going to be encouraged by its coming, as the Thessalonians were, or wanting to deny its very existence, as much of our culture seems to do. 
we're okay with judgment as long as it doesn't pertain to ourselves. We are pro-judgment when it involves other people. But what we want is mercy. Uh, The good news is that mercy is available. God is a merciful God. But we don't receive mercy by choosing to ignore judgment. We receive mercy by acknowledging that, that we ourselves deserve judgment and by making an appeal to God through faith, repentance, and baptism. When we think about the judgment of God, we often think about something that is way off in the future, something that is distant. And perhaps this is another reason why so many people have just given up on talking about it. Well, 2 Thessalonians 1 reminds us that God's judgment has some very practical implications for our lives right now. And so Paul appeals to this eschatological teaching, this this event that's going to take place in the future, to reassure and encourage Christians who are suffering right then. God's promise to make all things right brought comfort to Christians who are being persecuted. But God's righteous judgment does even more than this. In verse 6, Paul writes, Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And so Paul reminds the Thessalonians of a command and a promise that he mentions in other letters. For instance, we find it in Romans chapter 12 where he writes, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And so God's future vengeance, his future judgment, frees us to live in a different way right now. We don't have to be concerned with seeking revenge. We don't have to obsess over the wrongs that have been done to us. Our job is to do good to all and to leave vengeance up to God. He will right all wrongs in due time. And so in recent times, judgment has gotten a bad rap. It's largely been ignored, and I don't believe our churches and our nation are better for it. I wouldn't recommend joyfully singing about the impending doom of many, but I do believe that we need to long for a time when God will return and he will make all things right. And in order to make things right, God must deal with evil. It must be conquered once and for all. Sin has corrupted God's good creation, and it's something that needs to be dealt with. This is God's judgment. It's not bad. It's not something that we as Christians should be embarrassed about. In fact, it's something that we should proclaim, just as Paul, Jesus, and others did. The good news of God's judgment is that when it happens, sin, death, and evil will be no more. And those who trust in God will be rewarded. 
So we need to speak about judgment. Because until it does occur, every person alive today has an opportunity to respond to the grace of God and avoid the judgment that is to come. Paul concludes this section with a prayer for the people of Thessalonica. He prays in the last two verses of chapter 1, To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In this prayer, we are reminded of God's work in us. It is God who makes us worthy of his calling. The good that we do in our lives is by God's power, so that Jesus may be glorified in us. We must never forget that the only reason we are saved from judgment is because of the grace of God. He gives us what we do not deserve. He came to earth to die upon a cross. People need to know about God's judgment. But they also need to know about the one thing that will allow them to avoid this judgment. They need to know about Jesus. If we speak about judgment, then we must also speak about Jesus. To not do so would be wrong. It would be like telling someone the, the boat is sinking and not telling them where all the life jackets are stored. People need to know that one day there will be a reckoning. But Jesus came to save everyone who trusts in him and obeys his word. Many people choose to ignore the judgment of God. But Christians have nothing to be afraid of. And so I ask you, what path will you choose? Will you pretend the inevitable is not real? Or will you give your life to Christ, be baptized for the remission of your sins, and rejoice that one day all wrongs will be righted? The choice is up to you. What will you choose?